Well, hello. Greetings to you. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Sorry for the long entrance or intro. If it was a curtained stage I was walking to, I'd probably be tripping over it right now. But welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I'd say hello to my sister. I just got off the phone with her. Boy, you you know, sometimes I got to... You know, I love talking to my sister. I love her dearly. Um, Imagine we're similar in a lot of things, but my sisters uh, um, have some varying views on the world other than mine. I get out there more talking to people in person, and she may be talking to them more online or following certain things. And she's... um, not exactly, she's not a QAnon person, but she is not afraid of following a fringe, I'd have to say a, a fringe conspiracy theory. Okay? She's not afraid of touting it. And you rarely hear her go back and say, well, maybe I was wrong about that later. So, she has her hard... Hard uh, views on things, much like I do. Yes, much like I do. And uh, I would love to have her on. But, you know, imagine how... You you can tell listeners, you've heard me with other people. I'm overbearing. I talk too much. Hence, I had a podcast. 433 episodes. 433 episodes. And I understand that... It could be a compulsion for me, right? To be able to talk that long. I've been able to do over an hour by myself. That's scary, huh? You can come up with new content every day and say, what is going through this fucking guy's head? Well, a lot is. And my sister was explaining to me, he says, oh, you're just stream of consciousness. No shit, I'm stream of consciousness. Right? Who doesn't know that? It's like saying you're tall, Jim. You're tall. Yeah, I know. I'm tall. I'm not super tall. I'm not abnormally tall. I'm within, the, you know, 6'4", I think is right at the height of tall than being very tall. And getting older, actually, I'm not getting any taller. If I do get taller, that would be quite amazing. And saying this man grew an extra inch, grew to six, you know, grew two extra inches. That would, that would probably be a news item. And uh, that's not meant for to be uh, part of the conversation. I don't know why I came up with that part. But my sister's right. I, I do have to get back and around sometimes. But I kind of lose my train of thought when I go because that's what happens when you do stream of consciousness sometimes and rolling it around at the end and having a unified theme. Like a sermon. If I was going to do a sermon, i pick one over, overarching theme my sister pointed out to me, she says, you know, you can't say orbital, orbital, orbital. If I say it fast, I have a problem saying it. If I say it slow, orbital, like that, no problem. So I was talking about the deteriorating uh, orbital path of satellites on yesterday's show, which if you're paying close attention, you'll notice that this is episode 433, and yesterday's episode was 434. How's that? How can that be, Jim? Well, I'll tell you that. 
That's because I misnumbered it. And I had in the book, I had it 433, but I still put 434 when I labeled the show. So I'm numerically challenged. I had no problem saying numerically. And my sister pointed out to me that my father has a problem saying humble. He always said humble. And maybe he had humble on the brain. When humble is a nice word, you know, to get confused with. So having my sister on the show, imagine someone similar like me with even less of an off switch. With less pausing. And uh, maybe a little more explosive and getting more excitable. She's... I guess I, I, I'm, a, I'm an excitable person, and she's even more so. She may drink more coffee than I am, but who knows? Who knows? But uh, she, she did, uh, she told me now I, I do have a family member that listens to the show, which is amazing. I don't know my brother does, my brother Ted. I know my sister Cassie does, I think, my younger sister. Peg's exactly one year older than me. We're born on the same day, a year apart. And if you listened to the show, you would have heard that. So, yeah, we're both born on the same date, exactly one year apart. And that's just chance, right? Just chance. If there was three of us born one year apart, that would be interesting. If there was four of us, that would be amazing. If there was, uh, yeah, four of us were born on the same day and they weren't induced and all that stuff. That would be amazing. And then having five born on the same day would be almost unthinkable. But considering the whole, the planet, I guess there's probably a possibility. There's probably families where everyone's born on the same day. If you if you look to have sex about nine months before you expect, or you know, expect to procreate or, or give birth, you probably greatly enhance that, the chances of that. But still, it's still a crapshoot. And then you can also induce it and stuff like that. But I'm getting off that. I'm getting off that. I'm getting off my subject. So, recently, I'm going to talk about perception and ideas. And one is this online university, uh, University of Phoenix. And they've been running this commercial for months. And it's about giving away $1 million in scholarships. And they just say, they do a big commercial, which a commercial costs millions of dollars to make and millions of dollars to produce, uh, to buy airtime to show it, right? And their net income last year was $4.95 billion. Now, for the numer- numerically, and I said numerically, numerically challenged, let me tell you that. That's one, almost one in five thousands. One in five thousands. So think about it. They're making a big deal about giving one million dollars away in scholarships. Now, let's talk about the average income. That would be like someone in uh, that who makes a hundred thousand dollars a year, making a very big deal about giving twenty dollars. Away, and that's the proportion. So that would be someone who makes twenty—I mean, a hundred thousand dollars—giving twenty dollars away, and pulling twenty dollars out of her pocket and say, "Hey, check it the fuck out! I got twenty dollars, and I'm going to put it in this Salvation Army bucket." 
aren't I a great guy? And have you filmed doing it? And I'm doing it to, and I'm doing it purposely to attract people as an advertising. I mean, you're making yourself filmed and doing it, stuff like that, like their commercials doing. It's not that big a fucking deal. Hence the title of the show, Big Fucking Deal. I had almost, uh, I had applied and I did not follow through through on the uh, application process, but I almost became a sales associate, or they call it an admissions officer. I think it's called, they called it an admissions officer, but you're really not an admissions officer because everyone's admitted if they have money, University of Phoenix. They don't have to worry about the people, you know, their grade point average or SATs and stuff like that. It's how much. And they go and they, they, they now these, uh, uh, University of Phoenix is classified as a for profit university. There's non profit universities and they're protected in non profits and they have huge resources. Like even, you know, Harvard University has billions of dollars in endowments, billions of dollars that are untouchable because they're, they're uh, even though it's a private school, their endowments could be untouchable. And then there's state schools and nonprofit schools from with you know under religious institutions, but for-profit schools, which I don't have a problem with the idea of for-profit schools. I do have a problem with the amount of money they charge, and I don't have a problem with the quality of education. I think some people get a better education online or worse education, depending on how they apply themselves. I think you can get a very good, I think you can get a very good education from an online university. Yes, you could. But there's a lot of, it's a Keller course. You're doing most of it yourself, right? You're self-directed. There's very little peer, peer-to-peer help they get. There's no group study, no comparison. I mean, they do have groups. They probably have groups they can meet. Yeah, sure, on that stuff. But they also have a lot of savings, too. I always had a problem with that, that they could charge that big money, if you think about it. That big money, except for papers, you know, having to grade papers and projects and things like that. They, the universities can have virtually... Unlimited size classrooms. It would be the interaction that would determine the size, the amount of interaction you have to have with each individual student. But it's still more so than a brick-and-mortar university. And the accoutrements that go to that, such as building maintenance, security, supplies, heating, air conditioning, did I say landscaping? Uh, facilities managed support services. When it comes to online universities, it's your pretty much your teaching talent and uh, being able to grade. You have to have enough, you know, I'm sure you can have a bunch of students' associates helping you grade papers and things like that. So charging the kind of money you charge at a university. That's ridiculous. It should be much, it should be easier. And there's a lot of online universities that do for less. There's, uh, there's been a multitude of new ones coming up now. 
a lot of stand, regular brick and mortar universities have an associ- associated online adjunct service, or whatever you want to call it, affiliated services online, which is great. And of course, since the pandemic, a lot of brick and mortar universities have been mimicking the online universities, right? But to get this thing where it's a big deal, like, are we stupid? It's like, there's the Gates Foundation. Now, the big deal, people have a problem, and a lot of conservatives have a problem with Gates. They think they're poisoning them. Bill Gates is trying to put a, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they're trying to put a chip in everyone, whatever fucking stupid thing. What they're trying to do, these are people with immense resources. They're trying to do something for their legacy. And one of the things they, the, the, one of the huge things by the Gates Foundation was swamp blindness or swamp sickness or whatever stuff like that. It's in third worlds and there was blindness was caused by um, contaminated water. And these big foundations pool their resources and Warren Buffett contributed, saw that the Gates Foundation was a well-managed foundation that he contributed part of his income. And uh, Warren Buffett is one of the people that I would suggest lives the most frugally. But when it comes to billionaires, obviously it's their money they're doing. When it comes to a for-profit like University of Phoenix, I understand they have other ownership they have to apply to and they can't just willy-nilly give away $100 million in scholarships. But they don't give it. There's, there. I mean, they don't give scholarship monies. Like each university, there's regular universities give academic scholarship each year. Each year that in, in a decent sized university, they have enough, they give 10 times, these big universities, 10 times more scholarship money to their students than the University of Phoenix. But it's a perception when they put it up there and say $1 million like Dr. Evil, right? One million, and you got to visualize this with the pinky coming up to the corner of the mouth. $1 million. It's, it's in the grand scheme of things when it's worth that much. It's not that great. There'll be, that would be $1 million, 100 students maybe in one year. Maybe. I don't, they may even charge more than $10,000 a year. Imagine going to debt to an online university and not being able to get a fucking job after that. Okay? So, be considering of the magnitude in... It's, it's like someone... If, if someone was going to pay attention to you, your friend, and they only had... You know what I have? I have five minutes to give to you each week. Five minutes of attention. Well, that's not a good friend. Well, one five thousandths of their income is not that big a deal. It's it's the minimum, and it's done for show. It's transparent. It's so small that it's transparent. I mean, they could probably even write it off. They would have been able to write it off and say, listen, we're going to give this out as income for... 
uh, we're going to give these away as scholarship for the needy. For single mothers. I mean, strip clubs have done more to support single mothers than the University of Phoenix. And there you have it. And to get on the big money windfalls, it made me think of the Clampets. Yeah, the Beverly Hillbillies. What of it, Jim? Well, if you were a follower of the show, if you're in my age group and you know about the Beverly Hillbillies and you know about the song, right? Think about it and it kind of lends it back to the conversation I had with my sister. See, Jed was out hunting for a turkey or something like that and we shooting with it. It looked like a musket. A musket, right? He's walking around with a musket in the mid-20th century hunting for food. And he misses and the he goes, the, the ball or bullet goes deep enough into the soil to strike oil, which is virtually impossible. You know, if there's oil that close to the surface that a bullet can get to it, you would have seen evidence of it already. And if it was big enough to change your lives, there was a shit enough about a pole of it that we can, and I am not a geologist, but I can tell you, I can guarantee you, you know, someone can explain, well, there's a shale covering, there's, that was the closest approach to everything, it was a piece of shale, and that's what he broke. No, it's just, if crude oil bubbled from the ground in the Ozarks, which I did a little research and said it was Ozarks, and came up, so, so what happened? Let's say it bubbled up on his land, so he had to have title to it, a big enough land, and you always thought, wow, he had his big mansion. And I forget the name. Mr. Drysdale was the head of the bank that was kissing his ass in Beverly Hills. You know what the total amount of his fortune was? $25 million. $25 million. And the way they spent their money going to the Beverly Hills because they could have lived, they would have changed their lives for generations, for thousands of people in the Ozarks if they just stayed where they were. But someone told them, or they, they said, you know, California is a place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. Who the fuck takes advice like that? You know, you got millions of dollars and stuff like that, and you steady go, taking your money, taking from the low cost of living of the Ozarks to go to the Beverly Hills, which a piece of property there, I'd had to hesitate to guess back in the late 1950s or early 1960s how much that would be. I think it would be the early 1960s, right? It would be hundreds of times, a factor of hundreds of times it would cost to get a piece of land, like a couple acres, where he could have bought a whole valley. We probably owned a whole valley there for like 500 bucks and 25 million. He could have, they could have changed people's lives out in the Ozarks. So he moves to Beverly, buys a big ass mansion. And why in the hell, why, why would the propensity that they'd have to decide to move there? Because granny, they're doing all this cooking on open fires with big metal pots. Cooking possum still. Possum, where the fuck do you get possum? In Beverly Hills, I'm sure there's possum and, and raccoons, but not like there are in uh, 
the Ozarks. And, you know, they don't just eat possum and, and raccoon in the Ozarks because there's deer there and bear and fish. You know, raccoon and possums for people that, you know, that are subsisting off a small game and stuff like that. You never hear them talking about deer meat or bear meat. It's always possum and raccoon. It's like they couldn't get it. And they like they didn't they didn't decide to upgrade and stuff like that. So they go and buy Jed decides to buy a mansion in Beverly Hills and they got to see my pond, which they don't put any fucking fish in, right? You figure the first thing they say, hey, listen, the problem with this, you gotta put some fish in there. And it's cement pond. You know? No, but they got chlorine and shit like that. And they don't know what to do. They call it Seamount Pond. Who who has a pond in the Ozarks that doesn't have fish in it? Right? I mean, why would they move there if they're not going to buy new clothes? I mean, he upgrades to a... An, when Jack Clamby gets dressed up, it looks like he's wearing clothes from 1880. And Granny, too. They never get new clothes. They're always boiling their clothes. Jethro never gets, and Ellie Mae never get any new clothes because it always seems to be bought from like five years before because they always seem to be growing out of it. Ellie Mae has to be because that's to be super tight, right? Because it was clothes bought for her when she was nine years old. Not saying she didn't look good in it. And her hair, shit. Her hair and her skin looked nice and I, you know, and stuff. And, and Jethro always had a good haircut, you know? And Jed looks like a homeless guy. What's the point of moving to Beverly Hillbillies if you're not going to change your style? They could have done the same thing and had the biggest fucking cabin in the world. They would have been on Lifestyles of Rich and Famous, the most exclusive cabin in the Ozarks, you know? And they could have gotten even a bigger vehicle to put bigger chairs on the back for Granny right in the back. I mean, they, had, they rode all the way back. Granny couldn't even sit inside the the, uh, the cabin of the truck, the cab of the truck. So, yeah, they, they would have pissed through that money in a year. They would have pissed through all that money. They would have went all there and $25 million and would have been it. And they said adjusted for gross income, two hundred. it would have been $200 million Uh now, and $200 million in a palatial state, yeah, you could see right now with the way real estate's going, you would spend probably something like $30 million on something like that and all the money they would have wasted and shit like that. And they would have been sued once or twice once Jed fired off his musket inside the city limits of Beverly Hills, you know? Or someone would have gotten bit by a rabid raccoon or something they brought around. So the whole premise of them moving there, they just said, they, why Why they move? I understand they move them to Beverly Hills so every so often they can run into some starlet or something like that. So Jethro can end up trying to get into movies or Ellie Mae or, you know, uh, and, you know, and I can understand that Mrs. Drysdale is always getting kind of annoyed. Imagine you have that prime real estate you have that prime real estate and someone's boiling their clothes. And, I mean, I'm sure 
why would they use indoor plumbing? Because you know they didn't have indoor plumbing in the Ozarks. They were used in outhouse. So we're probably shitting outside. Mrs. Drysdale had a totally, and, and Mr. Drysdale was totally a money grubber, kissing his ass. And never, never flustered that Jed was running around with a, a, a gun all the time, threatening to shoot somebody, or Granny threatening to kill somebody at any time they kind of dissed her. But that's pretty much what I have to say about the University Six and the patriarchy of the Clampett family. But, and to get back to it, the anchors I was talking about, the Chinese rocket yesterday, that's going to be coming down to, back to Earth this weekend. They don't know where it's going to fall. They had a physicist on it talking about the possibility it's traveling 16,000 miles an hour and blah, 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 blah. And then they asked, they had a preeminent physicist on there and he asked him about which is a better movie, the... Um, Deep Impact or Armageddon. Well, that's that's just stupid. Stupid way to end it when you're a physicist. And I'm sure he was probably shocked by it. And he goes, well... And then, <laughs> you know, the physicist didn't miss a beat. And he just thought a second. He goes like this. Um, deep Impact, this science was better. You know, he was broached by that uh, subject again. And to move it on, to probably wrap up this show, while, uh, before we do that, I want to just say, if you are in the Keys, stop by the Catch restaurant in Key Largo, mile marker 102, Oceanside, open every day of the week for lunch and dinner, wide assortments of seafood and nine seafood dishes, and they have happy hour Monday through Friday, 3.30 to 6.30, with great happy hour drink and food prices for the happy hour food. And if you do have your own catch, please bring it in and they'll cook it up a myriad of different ways for you. And tell them that the Keys bartender uh, told you to stop on in. Well, thank you. And thank you if you do stop in. Oh, well, thank you if you don't. Thank you for listening. Finally. I get a lot of emails. I was a comic book guy growing up. When I say when I was a teenager, I used to buy, I was a DC Comics guy. I wasn't exposed to Marvel Comics right away. And I guess I could have been in the Marvel Comics who came in, but I was a DC Comics. And that was me. It was Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, The Flash. But Superman was the my main thing I got into. I like Superman. And whenever... Uh, you know, it's funny. I get these emails from this this site called Quora. And I think that's the right way to pronounce it. And they have a question. People send in questions. Well, who would win in a fight between Superman and Thor? Or could Superman beat the Marvel heroes? Or could Thanos beat Batman? Whatever. I always think... When you hear about people that have philosophical differences over religion. That they, you know, well, Vishnu, can Vishnu beat Buddha? Or Jesus with, you know, 
Couldn't he beat Abraham? Or not for Abraham. Let's say, uh, what's his name? Muhammad. You know? You know, obviously it's kind of screw up, screwy there because they're kind of the same branch, right? Because they both recognize the Old Testament, the gods of Abraham and Moses and stuff like that. I think both Moses and Christians believe that. But where Jesus is the end of the prophets, I mean, he's the son of God. Um, the Muslims view Jesus as one of the prophets and that Muhammad was the greatest prophet. He's a primary, he's a preeminent one. It's like, and just arguing over who's better. Who's better? So we're going to take whatever thing and they're going to say, this is this is what I believe in. And they're certain of it. They are certain of it. You might as well argue about Thor's father, Odin. I think Thor is kind of like Jesus. And Odin is his father. So Odin's supposed to be more popular. Kind of like a god but not kind of God. Oh, they even had a question on this thing, whether Thor acknowledges a higher power other than his, because he's supposedly a God. If you follow on this, don't follow it. I understand. But they, they got into the intricacies where Thor is actually talking to a Catholic priest about a higher power. I think Thor had a drinking problem, too, at one of the things in one of the... Uh, Marvel things like Endgame, so he he became quite the alcoholic. So he would need to find a you know he would have to acknowledge a higher power in order to stop drinking, or curtail no actually it's to stop drinking because there's no in at least twelve steps thing there's no reduction of drinking in the twelve steps steps theory of uh, you know ending alcoholism. But whenever they get argue argument over it's like the the Gulliver Tra- Gulliver's uh, Jonathan Swift, who was a satirist in the 1700s, and Gulliver was a ship's doctor who gets uh, whose ship is destroyed in a horrible storm, and he gets shipwrecked on an island. At one point, it's a whole bunch of different places he goes. He goes to a place where horses ride people. And one of the places is Lilliput, and they're uh, little, little, little people. You know, and little people, I mean, like a couple inches tall compared to him. And he gets taken in by him. Originally, he's captured, and, and then they realize when the powers of B realize that Gulliver's not going to stomp on him or anything, and they can actually use him to defeat their enemies. That he found out, he was talking to him, he says, well, why did this, eventually he got into the discussion with the, the members of Lilliput. He says, why are you in an argument with these other people? What is your big philosophical differences? And this is from Jonathan Swift. And this is his commentary on the way people disagree over things. And the leader of Lilliput said, well, the big difference and he made it like it's a big, big fucking deal, was that you, we like to open the soft-boiled egg on the big side, and they like to open it on the small side. And he looked at him like he was crazy. 
Yeah. Like they were crazy. He said, are you meaning that you're going to war and people are going to die because of your differences on how to open a soft-boiled egg? And that's how he did that. Jonathan Swift also wrote other political scripts and stuff like that, uh, um, essays and editorials. And one of them was during uh, the 1700s, there was a, uh, a famine. And I think it was in Ireland. But the, the thing he did, he sarcastically said, he says, well, listen, if they have a problem not having enough food, it seems like they have enough children. You know, if you don't want to feed them, just suggest they should eat their children. He meant that as sarcasm. And people took it to heart. And that's the way people, some people argue. It's funny when you get into someone who's not very religious, when they talk about religious wars, how they occur over a difference of opinion, over the infallibility of one man, the Pope, or the display of uh, images depicting the prophet. Or praying to saints. People say, oh, well, you know, Catholics pray to saints. And they're, I mean, it's funny because they all pretty much believe in the whole thing. They all believe in people that die and they go to heaven and you can talk to people that are in heaven and, and stuff like that. And then they get these ghost theories and all this stuff. And then they diverge. Once you can believe in, you come up with a hokey theory. When you come up with one hokey theory, and then it takes hold, right? This is my hokey theory. Um, let's pick Scientology. That an intergalactic warlord, four trillion years ago, trillion, that's what the guy, L. Ron Hubbard, came up with, uh, was uh, the warlord. And there was a planet of people that looked much like 1950s Earth. And what he did is he took 10 million people and buried them in a volcano and blew them up with atomic bombs. Something crazy. And then the whole theology comes up with that. And then you have people that, I mean, there's, uh, there's no offshoots of Scientology yet. But I can see that there will be. And there's very little science in Scientology because it goes with science. You know, once you say 4 trillion, you go like this. Oh, I'm just going to make up a number. Ten quintillion. Now, there's a word. I think there is a quintillion number out there that could be an amount of atoms in the universe or something like that. But once you start going out with crazy numbers and stuff like that, you know, people say, well, that's why my God is the best because we have a manageable number. 6,000. The earth is 6,000 years old. That's what they come up with. Some, you know, born-again Christians and stuff like that. And that's when it started. But don't ask them. Don't ask them the origins of God. And so, well, no, God was always around. Just never started. No, no beginning, no end. I'm going to seek. <coughs> Woo! That was a good sneeze. Clear to mind. But 6,000 years. So and then there's another one that comes along and says, well, you know, you forget about science being in there. We have this belief right here. And we're going to peg our belief 
against their belief. They don't want to go up against science. Science, people say, it's a theory. That's why they call it the theory of evolution. Well, if that's theory and you can back it with science, scientific evidence, what evidence do people have to prove their religious beliefs? No, they don't need theory. They just have faith because we believe it. So someday there will be someone that says that a man was put on a spaceship when he was a baby, sent from a planet that was about to blow up, sent to Earth and landed, and he saved us all. And his name was, he was adopted by the people, the Kents, and he, he put on a blue suit with a red cape, and he could fly, and he got powerful because of the sun, and blah, 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 blah. You know, all that stuff. So how much crazier is that? Because someone came up with their own religion. That's what mythology is. That's what comics are. Mythology. And to argue over those things are ridiculous. And once you go and say, I don't need to talk about facts. And these are the facts. Because everyone has their own set of facts. These are the facts. These are what I believe in. Oh, yeah, we're going to make up a science that adheres to my fiction. Who knows? I mean, at this point, it all everyone has this, a stupid religion to talk about and argue against. Now we can't even argue whether that the temperature's getting warmer and that, you know, you know burning fuel... Burning coal and oil is not bad. You know, that's where people come out and say it. I had this discussion with someone recently. And they said, what's wrong with progress? We've always had progress. What if we originally, when there was locomotives, and said, well, we really don't need to have anything more than locomotives. Steam locomotives. And they didn't have any progress after that. The only people that are in 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 you know, inhibiting progress for people that are making money off the former technology. As soon as they get a handle on the new technology, who someone's going to be making on, look at Apple. Look at, uh, we were talking about Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates. Stuff like that. They, they took new technology, made it. Now no one could think, are you going to do, are you going to do away with computers? There's going to be the next thing. There's always the next thing. I mean, who, who would have thought that cell phones were going to be around and stuff like that? Cell phones that had more features than the tricorders they had on Star Trek. Right? They talk about teleporters and stuff like that. They, on Star Trek, they would take the tricorder and they'd analyze someone if he was sick and say, oh, you got a broken leg and stuff like that. That isn't going to be, that's not too far off. They're going to be able to do some kind of scan to check for broken bones and things like that. And then you, there may be a thing that helps induce healing. Right? That speed it up. Or mend it. In the beginning, it could be cauterization. And then there's something that we heal. And then there's things that replicating things. We got 3D printers. Right? They can 3D print almost anything. You can pre 3D print tools. They're using plastic now. Eventually, he's going to use something a little harder than plastic. No, no, 
it'll all be done. So why 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 argue over old technology and why we can't get we can't get rid of oil and gas and coal? We can. That's old technology. Might as well move ahead of it beginning. And the one that gets ahead of it first will be the one that makes the money from it. And that's why we should be spending money on that right now. Instead of trying to make something out of something old. It'd be like um, trying to turbocharge a Flintstone mobile with the big fucking rock wheels it has. So, well, we got to put a turbocharger. He says, well, maybe we should make the wheels lighter. Instead of using stone, we'd probably get better suspension, be an easier ride. That would really be a shitty ride. And don't get me started on those pterodactyls that have the big log on their back. They could barely fly on their own. They're not going to fly with a big hollowed out log with people sitting inside it. Well, my sister asked me, she suggested... And this is, and I think it's the height. I think it's the height of uh, chauvinism or cultural chauvinism. Let's say that superior that you show up after years. And I'm just saying this, and maybe piss off my sister. I apologize, but I've been doing this show for about April 2017, four years, right? I got it right. Four years. 430, well, four episodes considering yesterday, but it's actually today's 433, and suggests, you know what, you do stream of consciousness, you know, you should pretty much end with what you started wrapping this up with. And what I started with was a big fucking deal, making a big show of something, a grand gesture, the big grand gesture. What a gesture isn't that grand, is it? It's like running around to open the door of your girlfriend after you just yelled at her in a car. You know, I do my own thing. I've been doing it for four years. Yeah, I'm going to make it better. I'm not making a lot of money doing this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be a big hit. The show, I understand that. But I'm not beholden to people like that. And I realize other people do great shows too. I don't have to beat them. I don't have to beat them. All I have to do is my thing. And my thing is to get off target sometimes and not return to it at the end. And my grand gesture is maybe being open to being wrong. I have been wrong in the past and I will be wrong in the future, but I have these ideas that I think about. And what it, you know, what is there a big... What's a big deal about it at the end? And why make a grand gesture when it's really not big of a gesture? You know, it would be a grand gesture. It's like for, for the next year, we're going to cut our prices by 50%. And we're going to try to get everybody, you know, if you make under $30,000 a year, we're going to give we're, we're going to make sure that your children get scholarships. To fight poverty. We're going to end poverty in certain communities by offering low-cost tuition plans to the needy. So once they graduate high school, we're going to show you, this would be a grand gesture by University of Phoenix, we're going to take several inner-city schools 
And we're going to offer them four years tuition and show how they can revitalize the community by giving them higher education, how important education is. That would be something. And that would be a big gesture. Probably cost a little, but if you're giving it away, it's not like you're giving it. You're just giving away your profit that you would have made. Or you wouldn't have made because, first of all, those people wouldn't have went. The problem with some big companies is they can't really be bold because they have to be somewhat fiscally responsible. Private individuals, they can be bold. Elon Musk, you know, fucking launching a rocket and then having it land backwards, come back down. That's bold. Or building a boring tool that would go a boring, boring through the earth, B-O-R-I-N-G, to create underground hypersonic trains. That's bold. But that's a private individual. Private individuals can be bold. They, the private individuals have been doing weird shit for all, all over, you know. They, they, you've had Irish monks that got in these little boats and maybe made it across the Atlantic. You have crazy people that stuffed themselves into barrels and gone over to Niagara Falls. That's what you need. If you want America to be great, we need big individuals or little individuals to make big decisions, bold decisions, and not violent decisions. I'm talking about things that require real change. Right? I'm not talking about storming the fucking Capitol, you fucking idiots. Not that anybody listening is one of those people that stormed the Capitol and stuff like that and think they're going to hang a, a congressman or the vice president. Total bullshit. You want to be patriot. So I don't know why I got to that point. I think it's kind of wound up. I'm, t- I'm back to the big fucking deal thing. But... You could do that in your life. Make a big decision. Do it. Do something that will change. Make a commitment. Don't make it one five thousandth of your efforts. One five thousandth. I, that's my comparison to the net income of University of Phoenix considering the $1 million they're offering. That's one five thousandth of an effort. Anybody gave one five thousandth. That's kind of like maybe taking a shit. You give one five thousandth the amount of energy you're going to output and what that maybe even less. I don't know where he is. I, I was going with that, but that's it. I'd like to thank you for listening. If you do like the show, boy, I like how I ended the show about taking a shit, but if you do like the show, please share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you have any questions, send them to me as an email to jim at keysbartender.com. And thank you very much and have a great weekend. This is me signing off. Bye.